It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome to the National Security Hour on America Out Loud Talk Radio Network on iHeartRadio, where you hear the voice of freedom and the outlawed troop from military and intelligent experts. I am your host, Lieutenant Colonel Sorge Singiri, U.S. Army retired, CEO of the Near East Center for Strategic Engagement, and also the host of uh, New Paradigms with Sorge Singiri. Today, my guest is a returning uh, guest, a friend of mine, James Rogoski. Uh, James is uh, coming to us uh, today during the 154th session of the Executive Board of the World Health Organization meetings, which started uh, on the 22nd of January and will continue through uh, January 27th. Uh, James is an author. He is a researcher who believes that the uh, old systems are rightfully crumbling, so we must build their replacements. And we have to do it as uh, quickly as possible. In March of uh, 2022, James uncovered documents regarding proposed amendments to the international health regulations and was uh, instrumental in raising awareness about them, which resulted in the amendments being rejected. James is now doing uh, everything possible uh, to expose the WHO's hidden agenda behind their proposed pandemic treaty, as well as the WHO's ongoing attempts to amend the international health regulations. James's vision can be summarized by one phrase out of the WHO and in with the new. And before I bring in uh, my guest, uh, just uh, for our audiences, if I do come across a little bit parched, uh, I apologize, but uh, uh, the uh, rogation of invites also started um, Sunday morning. It is a three-day Lent of no food and no water, and uh, today being day two, um, it's uh, sometimes hard to kind of get the lips to uh, open up and be coherent when uh, you're trying trying to talk to your audiences and also your guests. James, it's uh, good to have you on the show, buddy. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. James, as uh, we said, is their uh, 154th meeting is taking place in the WHO, but I do know that uh, uh, we had just a discussion even yesterday uh, uh is it possible that uh, the demise of the uh, uh, pandemic treaty uh, might be actually uh, within this year, uh, depending on the political decisions that are made and the economic uh, deals that are struck? Um, are we closer to the demise or closer to a possible deal being struck to push the pandemic treaty forward? Well, I think they are having very serious difficulties um, coming to an agreement there's a multitude of reasons for that. We'll have a little bit of time to talk about those details. But I want to make sure um, everyone in the listening audience is aware that there are two separate tracks, two different types of negotiations going on. There are four different documents. They have different rules, different groups that are negotiating them. There's a bit of overlap for sure. But what ha has been happening over the last almost two years now is the information from each of these different tracks is getting garbled together with the other. And so 
when the vast majority of people talk about these issues, uh, they get them mixed together. And that gives the WHO Director General Tedros and their um, legal advisor, Stephen Solomon, um, ample room to craft language where they're claiming that what people are saying is misinformation. And as long as we keep those two things clear and we talk about what is or is not in these documents, what we're actually presenting is the missing information that they really don't want you to know. And so um, there's two separate things to be talked about here, not just what is commonly called the pandemic treaty, but it's gone by many, many names, but also amendments to an existing document known as the international health regulations. So let's do what we can today to keep those two things very, very separate in people's minds, because um, that's very, very important. No, it is important. And, um, you know, in his opening comments yesterday, Tedros uh, talked about the fact that the secretary is not trying to basically, uh, you know, take over the uh, rights that the uh, nation states have. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, it's not the exact quote, but uh, I think when you were referencing, those are some of the indications where they actually changed the wording a little bit uh, to come across as being truthful, but at the same time, not telling us the full truth. Is that is that um, somewhat correct? Well, you know, when you watch uh, t television shows where they, you know, have someone swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, you have to realize that when you listen to these people speaking, they're, they're, they tend to speak a partial truth. So l let me just dive in to what is going on this week. Um, this week from the 22nd to the 27th is a meeting of the executive board of the World Health Organization. Now, that is a select group of 34 nations who apparently send their representatives out of the 194 member nations. And so not every nation is attending this meeting. Uh, the uh, attendance or the membership in the executive board rotates each nation gets an opportunity for three years. It just does so happen that for the last couple of years and on into 2025, the United States is a member of the executive board and is supposed to be attending these meetings. But I feel that there is a very serious problem with what's going on with our attendees. Uh, According to the law that got us into the uh, WHO back in 1948, a joint resolution, it says very clearly that any representative um, chosen to represent the United States at the executive board meetings um, shall be a medical doctor, have gone to a, a, an accredited medical school and practice medicine, gone through an FBI investigation for uh, loyalty and have been confirmed by the Senate. Well, the Biden administration back in, I believe, October of 2022, when our membership in the executive board um, was made available, nominated the current um, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, but the Senate has never bothered to confirm him. He is a doctor, so he meets that requirement, but he resubmitted, Biden resubmitted 
uh, the nomination on January 8th. And to my knowledge, the Senate has not um, given confirmation. And so the people who are representing us at this executive board meeting, I feel, have no more authority than you or I would have to be speaking on behalf of the American people. And I have not seen a single person um, in the world, um, certainly not in the Senate, raise the question of, hold on just a moment, uh, who gave them authority to speak for us? Or, as you want to put it, the U.S., you know, us, the people, we, the people, and the United States as a nation. You know, James, I, I think uh, what I got was that um, uh, Senate uh, had confirmed Rear Admiral Darren via next Navy Surgeon General. Uh, that was on December 6th um, of 2023. Uh, but... Uh, um, whether or not, um, uh, as far as that confirmation is concerned, um, a, you know, Rear Admiral uh, uh, Darren received a U.S. Uh, Senate confirmation to become the uh, 40th Surgeon General, whether or not, what is the process to go through and who is representing us at the meeting, I think is what you're trying to get at. And mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. he is not um, uh, at the meetings that are taking place currently. And, and so uh, what's going on at these meetings is a setting of the agenda for the May assembly. Uh, the 194 nations send delegates to the May assembly once a year, the last week of May, and it is beginning on May 27th, 2024. And there is a rule I'm going to um, talk about now, the proposed amendments to the international health regulations. On Monday the 22nd, uh, during their lunch break, quite frankly, there was a briefing for the um, progress of the negotiations for the amendments and what people call the pandemic treaty. And what should have happened is the amendments that are being negotiated in secret for the last year should have been presented so that the director general could then communicate them to all member nations, because you got to remember, not all of the member nations attend this meeting. And what we're anxiously watching is to see if they actually follow their own rules. Article 55 of the International Health Regulation says that they have to communicate any proposed amendments four months in advance so that all of the nations get an opportunity to review them. Now, you mentioned earlier that I had exposed all of this information back in 2022 Credit to the Biden administration in 2022, they did propose amendments at the appropriate time, leaving four months for them to be considered. And what happened was the nations considered them and absolutely rejected them prior to the May meeting. They were never even brought up for discussion. It was very, very clear that they had no chance whatsoever because the nations had a four-month period to review the documentation. There's an awful lot of paperwork flying around at the executive board meeting right now. And, you know, it's a, a, a just reasonable 
um, thing for all of the nations to have four months to consider all of these many proposals, certainly, you know, attempting to change international law. And so back in October, they let us know that they were going to fail to meet their deadline. And it, it appears that they have every intention of continuing to be negotiating in secret and, you know, right up to the last minute, maybe do a, a Nancy Pelosi imitation and drop the uh, proposed amendments uh, on the table at the assembly at the last minute. And as Nancy Pelosi said, well, you know, you don't need to read it. Just vote for it. You can read it after it's adopted. And, and so that is absolutely not acceptable. But it appears that that's what they're, you know, planning and plotting and, quite frankly, conspiring to do. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality of what we're dealing with, and a lot of it has to do with major dollars, and we're going to speak about that in the second segment of our interview. Uh, but um, um, it's uh, nothing new, uh, as you stated. Uh, all the nations of the world are not represented today at the at the meeting. Uh, you know, the members uh, that you mentioned with the executive board for the WHO, Supposedly compromised 34 technically qualified members are elected for three-year terms. And I guess my quick question with uh, just a couple of minutes before the segment is over, do you believe that the pandemic treaty uh, and amendments uh, to the health regulations, international health regulations would have ever been submitted if U.S. was not a rotating member uh, on uh, this particular um, uh on this particular board uh, as is constituted today? Well, I want to just clarify one slip of the tongue there. Um, these folks were not elected. They were nominated. Nominated. These I apologize. Right. And, and so, um, again, pointing out that there are two separate tracks, the time frame, quite frankly, just happens to coincide with this executive board meeting. Um, it would be very convenient, and, and they should on Monday, they should have submitted the documentation, but they're, they're really two separate things that, you know, can function in a, uh, uh, independent way. Uh, the bottom line with the amendments is that they've been negotiating them in secret. They've been having great difficulty reaching agreement. And it appears that they are going to, uh, do as they said, they are going to fail to make an agreement on that particular document. Now, the other document, what most people refer to as the pandemic treaty, is not subject to those same requirements. That's an independent uh, international health regulation, Article 55 requirement that applies to any amendments. The purported treaty, um, they have always had the intention of going right up to the last minute uh, in the negotiations for that particular document. They have marathon sessions, two-week negotiating sessions at the end of February and another two-week marathon, I believe, in March. And that operates on a different, uh, different path, different timetable, different set of rules, uh, because what happens with the amendments is they only need to be adopted by a simple majority. And... Once that is done, it is assumed that all of the nations accept those amendments because they're already a party to the international health regulations. 
each nation would have to individually then choose to reject them. The treaty operates in a more um, normal way that people think these things should occur. If two-thirds of the members adopt whatever is proposed for the treaty, that does not mean all of the nations are then party to it. There's another step whereby nations would have to properly ratify any treaty. Now, whether or not that's done is a whole other question, but it's another step in the process, and, and so um, it, it follows different rules. No, much appreciated, James. And then we're going to talk a bit more in detail as to the timelines of how we got here in the second segment to set up our discussion as to where the money and the politics is. As they say in Washington, D.C., money talks, BS walks, and it seems like uh, part of that is tied into what is happening currently. I do want to remind our uh, uh, listeners out there that American Outlaw Talk Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best-in-class apps available on Apple, Android, and Alexa, where we stream 24-7. And now you can also hear them on the podcast on these same apps. We will be back for the second segment with our discussion with James Rogowski and the WHO and the international health regulations. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Welcome back to the National Security Hour on the America Outlaw Talk Radio Network on iHeartRadio. Uh, I am your host again, Lieutenant Colonel Sargison Gear, U.S. Army retired, and my guest today is James Rogowski. Uh, James is uh, again coming to us uh, during the 154th session of the Executive Board of the World Health Organization meetings that are taking place currently in Geneva. And, uh, uh, of course, those meetings are going to go on from uh, January 22nd through January t 22nd through January 27th. And uh, for our listeners out there, if you have any time, you can actually go to the WHO um, uh, site itself, either on YouTube, or you could actually go to James Rogowski's Substack and uh, take a look at all the information that is being discussed and how he's able to give us pretty much, as you would say, in the sports world, play-by-play -play 
uh, of what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing. Um, James, uh, you know, I want to look at a little bit of a timeline and see how money possibly affects uh, what is taking place uh, in the region. Um, uh, of course, you know, uh, I was in uh, uh, Korea in uh, 2019, September or December 7, 2019, when we knew something was coming out of uh, China. And then, of course, everything hit uh, in January of 2020 when we pulled out a thousand people from Mission China with COVID spreading throughout the world. Uh, by the uh, end of uh, 2020, uh, President Trump, uh, who's today um, uh, in uh, in a fight to come back again as the 47th president in the primary that's taking place uh, in New Hampshire, um, was out. And uh, right away, uh, the following year, uh, of course, uh, we ended up uh, seeing how major uh, power the pharmaceuticals displayed uh, with, of course, them coming in and making a lot of money when it comes to the medical support uh, to include the jab that was uh, uh, researched and administered uh, to the last number that I looked at. Almost 70% of the population of this earth has at least received one vaccine jab um, at any given time as has been recorded. Uh, so that's um, a large, significant amount of people who have received that shot. And I do know, I remember that uh, uh, I realized the politics behind uh, and the money behind how uh, these jabs uh, were being used uh, by Western nations and even Eastern nations like uh, China, who is the head of the Shanghai Corporation Organization, to be able to influence their partners in the region or everywhere else. Uh, and I remember when Vice President Kamala Harris uh, initially made a trip in August of 2021 to Hanoi. At the time, we knew we might be in a fight with uh, China uh, in Asia sometime in the future. Most experts are saying sometime around uh, possibly uh, uh, 2024, 2025, you even heard 2027 uh, being proposed. But we knew it was going to be sometime uh, in the near future, depending on how the uh, elections went, uh, specifically in Taiwan. And as we know that the most recent election in Taiwan this month basically pushed uh, um, Taiwan more away politically uh, from the Chinese Communist Party. So when she was there in August 2021, there was a delay in her flight, and everybody said it was an engine issue. But uh, we found out really it wasn't. It was the fact that she was trying to take uh, COVID shots, Pfizer COVID shots with her to give to the government of uh, Vietnam uh, as a means and a gift to influence them to be able to strike further economic deals with the U.S. to include the possible deal with the control of the uh, ports. And these are deep water ports that Vietnam has. Uh, that are very necessary, important um, for us if there's a, ever a future shooting war against uh, China or even an economic war where we wean off of China and are able to use Vietnam if as a delay or something happens in Taiwan. Well, uh, uh, she didn't want to arrive there before the uh, Pfizer shots had arrived. She wanted to arrive at the same time she delayed her trip the Chinese got a wind of it, and what they did was they basically took their 
shipment of shots and took them directly to uh, Hanoi before she made it there in order to be able to influence them to be on her side. Is there anything like that that is currently taking place or you think has effects, especially when it comes to competition with the African nations that are very key to how we progress and move forward with uh, this international health regulation amendments and this pandemic treaty that's going to be basically proposed to us this year? Um, there's very much a, an interrelated uh, nature to what you said and, and what is going on. And I, I think that the vast majority of people who are aware of the fact that these negotiations are going on are maybe not aware of why these negotiations are actually happening. And it ties in with what you said. You have to go all the way back to December 1st, uh, 2021, when there was a special session of the World Health Assembly. Normally they only meet once a year, but they met twice because nations like Vietnam and, and many other nations who were not able to secure large contracts to get you know maybe 10 doses per person, uh, nations like Canada and the European Union and Israel and the United States and the UK and Australia and New Zealand they got contracts for enormous uh, amounts of the jabs, which left many nations high and dry. And so what they declared in uh, December of 2021 was it was these smaller, less wealthy nations who wanted the WHO to negotiate in their terms at the time, a convention agreement or other international instrument that would be legally binding to ensure, in their terminology, equitable access to pandemic-related products. What we're dealing with here are negotiations to settle a trade dispute. There's no questions being asked about whether or not the products, you know, the drugs, the, the ventilators, the midazolam, the molnupiravir, the Paxlovid, the I call run death is near um, or all of the many jabs, they are not calling into question whether or not those were of benefit or caused harm and destruction. This is not a discussion or a negotiation about how to improve or maintain or regain people's health. This is a trade dispute. And the solutions that have been put on the table boggle the mind. Now, um, the United States, amongst many other nations, and, and many of the smaller nations, are arguing over the details of what has come to be known as PABS, P-A-B-S, the Pathogen Access and Benefit Sharing System. So, you know, let me just put a rhetorical question out to, you know, the audience and you. If you have any awareness of the Wuhan Institute of Virology, do you think it's a good idea to spend tens of billions of dollars to build many more such research facilities? Because what the pathogen access and benefit sharing system would entail is a network of laboratories that were all sanctioned by the WHO and would 
seek through their One Health approach to go into each nation and try to find pathogens with pandemic potential, bring them into this laboratory network, sequence the genome, and then share the pathogen and its genetic information with the central hub in Switzerland or Berlin or wherever it may be, so that pharmaceutical companies could then make drugs or jabs for the potential problem that might be happening. We're not talking about just reporting on an outbreak. We're talking about, you know, I'm, I'm going to exaggerate a little bit, but only just a little bit, you know, leaving no stone unturned on the entire planet. You know, where, you, where might you find pathogens um, in all of the swabs that people had stuck up their nose or various other orifices? at your veterinarian's office when you bring in a stool sample because your pet is not feeling well, if you have a farm or if you just have a, a, a chicken coop or um, you know, uh, horses or cows or a pigsty, uh, where might they be searching for genetic material? Uh, hospitals that have some of the you know, most dangerous uh, antimicrobial resistant organisms they literally have at the CDC a wastewater surveillance program. So when they talk about surveillance, they're not necessarily talking just about cameras or having your phone track you or whatever. They're talking about surveillance literally of the sewage system. They want to be testing everywhere on the planet to find, you know, a, a new variant of polio or measles or Ebola or Zika or whatever it may be, bring it into the laboratory, do research on it, and be prepared for the possibility that that might cause an outbreak. It's often referred to as dual-use research of concern. Most people look at that as gain of function and as the cause of the pandemic, that were dealt with, um, rather than a way to prevent the next one. I, you know, I the way you laid it out uh, to a person like me who's uh, seen, uh, who's been in combat, who's seen how money talks. Uh, pretty much, the sons of uh, Iraq program was a means and ways for the U.S. to buy out the insurgency until we ran out of money. It seems like they're basically setting up the possibility of a cash cow that is going to be self feeding itself. Uh, for um, uh, generations. Um, so, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but uh, at the heart of it, you always want to think that people out there to do well, uh, have good intentions, but uh, usually ends up uh, that they do it to where actually it makes them a profit uh, and doesn't consider other means and ways of being able to allow individuals at the lowest levels handle their own uh, medical issues in this case. Um, to be able to address uh, the concerns that they have for their own community. Um, you know, I know that uh, one thing we left off from what happened with the uh, uh, pandemic that hit um, at the time, uh, going back to uh, August of 2019, uh, the Chinese economy was about to uh, falter uh, to a point where it was going to trigger a global recession possibly. And if uh, 
uh, COVID hadn't hit, uh, regardless of how it hit, it was a leak or it wasn't, it was done on purpose, it wasn't. Uh, the one reality is that it infused trillions of dollars into the hands of the Chinese Communist Party because that's where we got most of our masks and medical equipment anyway. And it's sustainable. Well, that, that model is dead now. And we were looking at some statistics just uh, a day ago. Uh, majority of the people today in the United States just are not going to go in and get a, another um, a jab uh, for COVID because they have lost complete faith and trust in whatever might be out there. Uh, and because of that, uh, uh, you cannot duplicate what was duplicated in 2020 to infuse that amount of money back into the CCP coffers. And with the CCP having a lot of say or the WHO, uh, knowing fully that the economy is on the bubble again, sometimes you wonder if uh, a lot of this is being pushed and being pushed now dramatically to ensure that we get to a point where there's always a constant cow, cash cow that feeds in and sustains economies like the Chinese uh, Communist Party economy and uh, other Western economies are reliant on these particular research. Well, you know, some of the language in the proposed amendments in the annexes, Annex 1 and Annex 10, um, very clearly state that developed nations shall help build out state-of-the-art infrastructure in developing nations. And so what we're looking at is really an, an attempt to transfer wealth from one group to another because essentially they missed out on the profits that were made because they didn't have the capacity to manufacture the drugs and manufacture the jabs, which are enormously profitable. And so what we're really dealing with here, again, is a trade dispute that has got billions of dollars potentially being redirected away from important health issues like heart disease, stroke, cancer, diabetes, um, in other nations, maybe things like malaria or tuberculosis. The entire WHO yearly budget in 2022 was just about $4 billion, but they're seeking 30 billion dollars just for pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. You know, in almost an order of magnitude, you know, seven or eight times as much money. And, and you have to look at it and, and say, that is just feeding corruption. It's feeding money laundering. And it's coming from the United States Defense Department as well. In 2022, they passed the National Defense Authorization Act and the United States pledged a billion dollars a year, in addition to the billion that we give to the WHO, to the World Bank Pandemic Fund, which has already been um, dispersing that money to various nations around the world to build out the very laboratory networks um, that the WHO is apparently negotiating. You know, that's a key point that you mentioned. Uh, I do want to talk about it in the final segment uh, because uh, uh, for those who are not aware, the CIA chief uh, uh, was in uh, uh, 
in Africa just recently just came back. Of course, the CIA still has not issued an official statement regarding uh, Burns's uh, visit to East Africa. However, uh, Kenya and Somalian governments uh, where he visited uh, did. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit more about Africa. Uh, I do want to talk about what emphasize and um, uh, piggyback on what you had just said um, on this specific issue with the DOD being involved uh, when we come back on the uh, final segment of our discussion. Again, uh, my discussion with James Rogowski, we're looking at the WHO and the international health regulations. Um, I want our viewer or our listeners to know that all my shows go to podcasts typically one or two days after the broadcast is heard on talk radio. You can hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and iHeart Podcasts, and many more. Be sure you subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. Okay, we will be back on our final segment uh, and looking at the WHO and uh, what the pandemic treaty may look like by the end of the year. Many voices, one freedom, united in the First Amendment. Our goal is to herald the voice of genuine liberty at AmericaOutloud.news. A place where you'll find the naked truth expressed with a patriotic heart. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out AmericaOutloud.shop. Look for ASEA cell signaling molecules liquid supplement and check out nurse michelle's recent favorite asia product renew 28 revitalizing redox gel because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when i broke my hip give it a try for your aches and pains and let nurses out loud hear how your health has improved the pandemic may be over for some but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. 
couldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Welcome back to uh, the National Security Hour on the American Outlaw Talk Radio Network on iHeartRadio. My name is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Sargison Geary, your host, and I am here with James Rogowski, uh, a man who has really uh, done a yeoman's job looking at uh, the WHO and the uh, pandemic treaty that uh, they and the UN are really working on and pushing for. Uh, I do want to remind our, our listeners out there to be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the videos, so that you can help secure America's future. James, we're going to talk about um, really uh, how this is pretty much an economic deal being struck and all the countries have to settle their papers. I know that uh, the DOD was involved in also uh, ensuring that in the National Defense Authorization Act that there was monies available that would go for these type of requirements. I know that uh, uh, the CIA Chief William Burns uh, recently had a uh, um, at least uh, visited uh, two of the East African nations, uh, one being Kenya that uh, my company really has been involved in, uh, and also Somalia. And uh, he was there, of course, speaking about the dangers and issues that are taking place currently with the destabilization of the region. Uh, CIA hasn't issued their talking points on what the meeting was. This is coming from the Kenyan and Somalian government. However, with that said, uh, you know, it was just uh, last year we had the uh, uh, the fighting that took place in Sudan, uh, the civil war where uh, you had uh, one of the warlords and his units, basically a couple of guys on a gun truck, uh, a Toyota, uh, went in and uh, secured uh, uh, what would be out of a lab that are very uh, bad uh, diseases uh, that uh, were there being studied by the uh, lab scientists. Now, the DOD budget uh, that was initially proposed was supposed to put teams together to where when you go in to the various different countries, uh, you're supposed to be able to have a team that goes in and extracts these type of uh, um, killers out of, uh, for a better term, out of a lab. However, we went in, we actually extracted our... Uh, uh, embassy staff, but we failed to go in and extract what uh, a number of guys in a gun truck were able to secure. Where is all that uh, pathogen now? Who knows? And how is it being used? Who knows? Who is being sold to? Who knows? Um, I wanted your thoughts about that. And then uh, uh, what is a major fight that's taking place in Africa that might be the reason the pandemic treaty is not moving forward as well as uh, the Western nation would like? Well, many people, I think, misunderstood what happened in 2022. Um, the Biden administration proposed amendments to the international health regulations in the middle of January in 2022, about a month and a half after 
the African nations and many others um, had this special session that I mentioned earlier, and they said that they wanted equitable access to all of these products. Well, the amendments that the Biden administration proposed were totally off target in terms of what the African nations had just a month and a half previously said that they wanted. The um, Biden administration wanted the nations to be more compliant and, and to put more money into you know this, this type of surveillance. And the African nations didn't reject that for the reasons that you or I would have rejected it. They rejected it because the deal wasn't sweet enough. They essentially, in my view, said, well, what's in it for us? And so at that May assembly, they set up a process whereby uh, the working group for international health regulation amendments was set up. And I'm going to use my own language, but this is what it feels like. It, it feels like they said to the United States, well, you want to change the international health regulations? We'll show you how to change the international health regulations. And they set up a timetable whereby uh, September 30th was the initial deadline. And 94 nations, all told, submitted over, well, 197 pages of amendments with over 300 individual proposed amendments to what is essentially less than an 80-page document. So needless to say, there are an enormous number of changes that they presented. And in that document, different than what we were talking about, this pathogen access and benefit sharing system, in the amendments, Bangladesh and separately the African nations both submitted a solution to their trade issue. And it came in the form of a proposed new Article 13A. Now, most people have not heard about this because for whatever reason, you know, they're keeping this very, very quiet. What those groups of nations and, and Bangladesh proposed was they know that the director general can declare a public health emergency of international concern, P-H-E-I-C, or fake. In addition to that authority, they would give him the authority to then decide what it is that is needed, whatever types of products. He would then be authorized to set up an allocation mechanism and then be able to tell each nation that they have to manufacture what he says and give it to and deliver to whatever nation he says it needs it. Well, you know, that is pretty darn classic uh, Marxist uh, totalitarian, dictatorial, communist, you know, control the means of production, distribution, and logistics, and, and put it all in the hands of one person. In, in addition to that, Bangladesh proposed changing the definition of a recommendation by crossing out the phrase non-binding. Malaysia submitted an amendment to Article 42 that says that any recommendations shall be implemented. So all told, that would change the entire character of the position of the director general from being someone who gives advice and information to someone who is in you know, command 
of you know the distribution network of pharmaceutical products around the world. Now, we don't have any way of knowing if that proposal is still under consideration. All indications are that it appears to be still in the mix with these negotiations. And that's one of the reasons I believe they're keeping these so very secret. As I mentioned earlier, they're supposed to present a in their terms, a final package of targeted amendments to the international health regulations in alignment with Article 55, four months in advance of the May meeting. But it appears that they're not going to do that, that they're going to violate their own rule because they want to keep that secret from you know the public around the world. Their deadline, by all interpretations, is Saturday, January 27th, they are supposed to put on the table, they basically have to show their cards. And their cards are pretty lousy. Nobody in the world wants that, really. Um, but they don't want people to be aware that that's what's being considered. They want to keep these negotiations secret right up until the last minute, where if they adopt it with a simple majority, um, it's done. Now, the saving grace is that with those amendments, as opposed to the treaty, there is a period of time whereby the head of state of any and all nations can reject any amendments after they are adopted. So whomever the president of the United States may be after January 20th, 2025, would have a period of time to reject those amendments. So I would encourage people to select a president who has stated very clearly that any such amendments would be rejected. And to my knowledge, only one of the candidates has done so at this point in time. And I'll let you guess who that might be. <laughs> I think we all know. We'll see how the uh, primary turns out today. Um, but you mentioned Bangladesh for uh, listeners out there. Um, you know, I always uh, look at the Shanghai Corporation Organization and its effects and its links uh, to try to kind of um, uh, control uh, what globally is done. And Bangladesh has, of course, applied to be a future participant uh, in the Shanghai Corporation Organization. So, uh, you know, when they make these type of decisions, uh, they do make these decisions based on their uh, economic benefits to them, and uh, who knows uh, how much money is received when uh, you can't submit somebody something, somebody else does it on your behalf. So we have to keep that in mind too. Um, if there's times that the United States cannot really take a step or a position somewhere, uh, it knows politically it's just its hand is under the rock, as it would say in the Middle East. It does rely on other partners to do so. So. Uh, it would be very interesting to know and go back and look at when those uh, requirements were uh, submitted by Bangladesh and when was a possible Chinese delegation that may have gone to Bangladesh just prior to those proposals being laid out on the table. Um, as as we're looking at closing out the uh, this final segment, um, what is the only way you recommend or what are maybe a couple of ways you recommend that the American people um, and anybody who's listening globally to us today to try to move forward as to 
countering this? Because you know that both from the U.S. representative who spoke at uh, the uh, meetings and also at the same time, um, the uh, general secretary, they're constantly pushing that there's a lot of misinformation out there. So even our discussion here, they could qualify if they want to um, by their standard as misinformation. But what is it that you would recommend that people can do through their elected representatives to at least try to get to a point where we have at least done our part to try to address uh, a possible uh, takeover of the by the WHO uh, on our health requirements? As you know, you know, recently just uh, even 5G came out and said that the social distancing just happened. Uh, that uh, the masks were really not of a use. Well, all these things that were supposed to be based on science were not based on science, but they were pushed. And who did they make the most money for? Of course, the Chinese Communist Party and even the WHO uh, supported non-medical, non-science-based ideas that really took away the rights of the American people. What would your recommendation be for the American people to more likely fight back against this? Well, I'm, I'm sure you've heard that, you know, people who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. But in this particular case, if you go back a decade or so and um, look at what happened to what was proposed to be the TPP or the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade uh, Deal, that got just put down um, very abruptly because when we the people learned about it, as secret as it was, it was so secret, you know, Congress people and senators were only allowed to go into a secure facility. They weren't allowed to photograph it or record it or even take notes. They were, um, they were allowed to read it and had to bring back, you know, from memory, whatever it is they may have seen. That went down to a complete and total defeat because we the people stood up and demanded that nothing such as that be done in secret. And so, you know, the rallying cry at this point is actually very simple. What is it that they're negotiating in secret that is so important that we the people cannot be allowed to participate in? So in these two separate tracks, currently the um, 197 pages of amendments were presented way back over a year ago in mid-December of 2022. They've been negotiated in secret and the deadline for them to put their cards on the table is January 27th. We deserve the right to see what it is they are proposing and they don't want us to see what they're proposing. And so they're doing everything they can to violate their own rules, Article 55, and continue negotiations. They have it scheduled for February and April. They want to keep it secret right up to the last minute so they can drop it on the table and, and force it to be adopted without public discussion. That is absolutely unacceptable. In the other track for the proposed pandemic treaty, it has had version after version after version after version. And as we speak right now, um, the nations are very unhappy that the Bureau has been controlling the process and not listening to what they want to be in that document, even though they say it's a member nation-led process. It's currently being rewritten 
So pay attention in February for the new version that's coming out. And it should be rejected out of hand because it's not a treaty. It's a framework convention like the framework convention for climate change that would set up a whole new bureaucracy called the Conference of the Parties that would be unelected and they would meet year after year after year to put in detailed protocols that we wouldn't have anything to say about. How's that framework convention for climate change working out? I think it's something that should be opposed from the you know very foundation. It should be, and uh, we're all in agreement with you, James. Um, I do want to um, let uh, our audience know that uh, we're a little bit short today, but James has another interview he has to get to. So we're going to bid our farewell to him. Uh, you could always read what he proposes on uh, James Rogowski's Substack, and we will have him back again on the show both in February and also in April. I do want to remind our audiences that you can find out more about my show and get all the best or the latest podcast if you go to the menu navigation bar at americaoutloud.com under our show and schedule, you will be in the know. And thank you again, James, for being with us. God bless you for everything that you do. Uh, and thank you for our audiences for joining us on the mission. The National Security Hour is the tip of the spear and the epic battle to defend the United States of America with liberty and justice for all. I am your host, Lieutenant Colonel Sargus Singer, U.S. Army Retired. <laughs>